here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Rob McCarron. You know, we, uh, we had some feedback from our last show. Okay. Episode 94. More than one person told me or spoke to others and said that I was a little rude to you. Cutting you off, not letting you get picks in, forgetting your your existence, really. Jeff Hawkins. I'm being trolled. Oh, right Jeff, now, Jeff, wait. <laughs> wait, I have breaking news coming into the news desk here. You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. Daniel, have you ever seen a ghost? Uh... Episode 121 of Shake Them Ropes, part of the Voices of Wrestling Network. Visit our site at voicesofwrestling.com. Read the columns, participate in the forums, download our other podcasts. Jeff Hawkins here, sitting in the big boy chair, venerable co-host, former television writer, part-time actor, comedian, improviser, full-time sexy. Today, we'll talk about the go-home show for TLC and our predictions. Match 53 from WWE.com's Top 100 Matches to See, perhaps before you pass away. Mick Foley versus Edge from WWE WrestleMania 22. And this week, I get to list my unofficial and arbitrary NXT rankings. Joining me, as always, is one of the linchpins of Voices of Wrestling, the peanut butter to my jelly, the bird to my Ernie, the wind beneath my wings, Rob McCarron. Rob, how now, are you? Now, if I knew you were going to go 15 minutes on an intro, I probably <laughs> would have never suggested this at all. I wanted to get my shit in. You did, Kornheiser. Jeez. Yeah, I set everything up at the top of the show. I you did. Was... You did a. Uh, you did a fantastic job, Jeff. Thank you. But Rob, how are you? I'm great. Good. I'm fantastic. I'm here on a uh, on a Taco Tuesday, ready to talk some WWE. Excellent. We got uh, TLC coming up Sunday. We're going to be live on YouTube. After TLC on Sunday with a special guest, Dylan Hales at Dylan Waco on Twitter will be joining us on Sunday to talk WWE TLC, all the winners, the losers, the surprises, and the hashtag big changes. And the political hit job on Roman Reigns, perhaps. Yeah, I figure uh, we'll know pretty much on uh, if Survivor Series wasn't the place where you fully found out about the political hit job backstage on Roman Reigns. <laughs> we'll know Sunday. We will uh, know Sunday. But uh, yeah, so we got a big show on Sunday live. We're also going to be live on Wednesday after TakeOver in London around 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so yeah, a lot of stuff coming up. But today we're previewing TLC. We're going to get into Mick Foley versus Edge later on. Jeff, hmm? it's TLC week. How yes. hyped are you on a scale of one to five for TLC. I'd say around a two. I have a question for you, Rob. All right. All right. This past weekend, actually, let me, let me, uh, let me, let me circle back. This raw, this raw, this raw, this, the, all the feedback I've heard 
is wrong. entirely negative. Now, is that due to our raised expectations over the news of changes here in the bubble? Or is it because it was really, really bad? Uh, if you were in the wrestling Twitter bubble, there's a high likelihood that you are on uh, the Wrestling Observer website. Mm-hmm. You're listening to podcasts like this. Hello. You're getting your news from somewhere. And you probably heard a rumor about changes coming to WWE on Monday. All this stemming from Dave Meltzer on his, uh, on his podcast saying that there's been talk internally of changes coming. Never said big changes, never said major changes, never said changes were coming, period. But all the talk on the wrestling bubble and Twitter on Monday was, ooh, they're going to change shit up on Monday. Which, by the way, was all the talk going into Raw last week, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I tweeted out not knowing anything, but I'm like, guys, right, come on now, settle down. There aren't changes coming to the show. It's going to be the same thing that you've seen for the last couple of weeks. There's stuff they're building to, whether you like it, whether you uh, don't like it, there's stuff going on. And that's exactly what Raw was. There were no uh, changes to any philosophies. There were no big shifts in programs that are ongoing. Uh, you, you got Monday Night Raw, the go home to TLC. I don't think there were raised expectations, honestly, because... I think those, after suffering through last week's Raw, which I thought was a good show, you did not. The The consensus seemed to be that it was a subpar Raw. Okay. Uh, this Raw, even more so. Mm-hmm. I don't believe anyone who would be uh, listening to the Big Changes talk was actually expecting Big Changes. Fair enough. Part so two. I don't know if there were, uh, you know, overreactions to anything, but go on. Part two of this question. Chikara which is a small promotion on the East Coast, paid off an angle five years in the making. Why can't Raw pay off an angle after three hours? In that it sets up the League of Nations as a powerful, powerful faction. And then at the end, Sheamus ends up all alone out there through a table. Why, Rob? Why, why, why? Well, it's funny because they have these factions going on but everyone involved in these factions has programs outside of the faction, and some of which are programs with individuals not even in the other faction. I mean, you have Dean Ambrose, who's feuding right now with Kevin Owens for the Intercontinental title. Kevin Owens isn't in any of these groups. Jack Swagger isn't in any of these groups, and Alberto Del Rio is programmed with him. You have Sheamus and Roman Reigns, who have been a single program here ever since, what, three weeks ago? That's all it's really been. Uh, you know, they have the factions as an outside thing, but it's not like the factions really mean anything Yeah. right now. I mean, what are the League of Nations going to do? Are they, if all four of them are in the Royal Rumble, that's where the factions will come in. The fact that they're in the Royal Rumble and Hey, there's four groups, you know, who's going to get out Rusev, King Barrett and Seamus and all these guys. That's kind of what these, uh, you know, factions are doing right now is waiting for the Royal Rumble. You know, I, I don't necessarily see the factions getting involved in Reigns and Sheamus, so that's why your buildup in the main event segment was just Reigns and Sheamus by themselves. It, it fascinated me because they kind of alluded a little bit of horseman history in the League of Nations promo. I'm thinking, okay, great, they're a faction. Now, where are they beating down Roma at the end of the show? Weren't there. And you know what? The most excited I was about Raw was that first part where the Wyatt family came out to confront the League of Nations because... As I've been saying, I love comic books. I love worlds where you have bad guys and you have evil guys. 
And I thought that was kind of awesome. And then they, they of course, had to bring out, you know, the League of Substitute Heroes of ECW to, <laughs> to well, come yeah. out. And, and, you know, it was, a, it was a fine setup, but it was, it was different enough where I bought in for a moment that, ooh, they're going to do something with... I like the Wyatts as agents of chaos in theory. Yeah. And then they never pay off that because, of course, they, they just go back to the formula. And it's like... I mean, after the fourth team, I'm expecting Los Bariquas and the Disciples of the Apocalypse to come in. Yeah, it was a lot of uh, a lot of tag team <laughs> warfare at the beginning there, which you know was a fun little change of pace. Instead of the normal one on one promo segment for 20 minutes, you got all this chaos. Uh, I didn't necessarily think the the multi man, what well, the four team, 16 man, four corners match that they had to open Raw was anything special. It was just clunky with four guys being in the ring at the same time, but yeah. two, two paired off and the other two paired off. It was a weird little uh, thing there. Um, but you're right. I mean, this. I don't necessarily know if there's an angle to pay off here with the League of Nations. It's just something for them to do because if you were going to start this group, if Sheamus was going to you know start this group, yes, those three guys are there to protect his back, and they obviously didn't do that in the main event. I don't think they're going to do that at TLC. So you begin to wonder, okay, what's the purpose of this group entirely? But we're not yeah. gonna, we're not going to know that, you know. The, the purpose of the group right now is to have four guys on television at the same time. They did a little furthering of it with, you know, they answered why what will happen with Zeb Coulter. He won't be a part of it, obviously. I don't think, and maybe Lana will down the road. But yeah, it just seemed like, well, we're forming this group. Uh, but it's a very loose confederation. I love that Bray Wyatt is leading this group that's been around for a good a period of time right now. And whenever a new group kind of makes its way into Raw, like he's there to be yeah. the gatekeeper. Like, hey, what are you guys doing here? Uh, you haven't paid your dues yet. We're uh, we're the big faction here in WWE. It's like the wrecking crew in the Marvel Universe. Every time they introduce a new superhero team, they're the guys that are going to get beat up first. Yeah, we're the ones who have survived here. <laughs> we are we are the leaders of this uh, of this generation uh, right now. Um, but a two point five. That's <laughs> two point five. I, I tell you what. Okay, like last week, I was anticipating WWE Raw. I was anticipating what was going to happen this week. I kind of anticipated Raw to see what they would do for the go home to see you know if the Dudleys would add a fourth member, and they did. Uh, you know, I still. When Raw comes about on Monday, like Monday afternoon all the way till 8 o'clock on Monday, I still get in that mode where I'm like, hey, you know what? Raw's on tonight. I wonder what might happen. I, I don't go by a Monday thinking or not thinking of Raw like one bit, even on nights where I'm not necessarily going to watch it live or have other things going on. I still wonder to myself like, hey, what could they do on Raw tonight? Yeah, my, my disappointment always comes from the fact that I know all these guys are great and that they have a lot of talent and that everything not on Raw is creative and fun and cool and even pro wrestling-like. Like that Dolph Ziggler promo I sent you that the network did. That was great. That explained everything that I wanted to see on TV. Yeah. And it didn't. You know, Xavier Woods' up, up, down, down is entertaining, even though it's not in character. The 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 move to SmackDown commercials were semi-entertaining, I thought. Everything on Raw was by the numbers, safe, not going to the edge of any kind of thing to me. You know, it, it's... 
it's stale in a way that you know that unless there's a change up top, that it's not going to change because they have a formula and they input it into the formula. And yeah, there were longer matches, but what did the matches mean really yeah. tonight? But I, you know, uh, and, we, and we got and we got Tommy Dreamer twice. We got Tommy Dreamer in 2015. It's crazy looking at this card, and we'll run through this card. But if you were going into TLC 2014 and were to tell somebody in going into that show, like this will be the card one year from now, holy hell, this the last decade of WWE hasn't been so drastic to where you can show a card one year uh, in the future. And people would be like, okay, I can see that. You know, oh, Roman Reigns will be feuding with the same general people he's feuding with now. And the same general roster will be on the card here. Maybe Sans one or two new guys who were in developmental that we were kind of anticipating. But this card just screams like completely different than what I would have expected one year ago. Uh, but the point about going into Raw pretty excited, you know, I'm going to be one of those who are the last train to leave the station. Is like when everyone gives up on WWE Raw, I'll still kind of be there you know, excited to see what happens on Raw, no matter how bad the show may get, I still want to know what's going on. Pay-per-views are a little bit different in the fact that I can still separate the pay-per-views from what I've been seeing on WWE television and still get excited for particular matches. Like, I'm really intrigued on what they do with Sheamus and Reigns. Like, could this be the night where Roman Reigns finally wins on one of the most uh, anticlimactic nights of his career? Uh, what are they going to do with the tag team titles? Can they possibly have the Wyatt family lose to the Dudleys, which I don't think, but you never know. I'm, I'm still kind of excited for this pay-per-view and can look forward to these pay-per-views despite raw television. Would See, you I'm say, a, would you oh. say that you're going into this show less than, cause you gave it a two out of five. All right. So you're less than average on the excitement scale. Is that because of the television going on? I, it has to be because I'm a last train out of the station too, because I like wrestling. And this is the game in town that I have time for right now. That's easy access for me. And I keep waiting for the week where someone pulls their head out of their ass. That's what I'm waiting for because I'm like, I know they can, I know they have something in them. I know they have something to get me excited about. My problem with the diminishing returns on pay-per-view is I've already seen these guys fight four or five times before I ever get to the big show. So the only Thing I really have to look forward to is an upped violence level, I think, at times, especially in a pay-per-view like this. And it gets me nervous in that, am I just watching to see, well, maybe someone might get, you know, hit with a chair in the head or something. I, it, it worries me, my fandom on these big shows, because it's like, well, I've already seen, say, Dolph and Tyler Breeze fight four weeks in a row. Why is this match on this pay-per-view going to be anything more special other than the heightened risk factor, which always makes me a little nervous because then a guy gets hurt and then of course they're, they lose faith in him. So I mean, that, that's the most interesting aspect to me of the Seamus Roman Reigns match, a TLC match where Seamus has not only been hurt, but he's hurt guys in these types of matches and Roman Reigns who has had a few injuries that could absolutely kill WrestleMania. I kind of I see the Roman Reigns-Sheamus match being one of the most safe TLC I matches so. of all time. It has to be. One of the most safe of all time coming up. Uh, let's get into TLC. The opening match. Chairs match for the U.S. Championship. Jack Swagger is back on WWE pay-per-view taking on Alberto Del Rio. 
U.S. title, Zeb Coulter scooted away from Jack Swagger's cries to join up on Raw last night. What do you think about this opener, Del Rio Swagger? Where I'm extremely high on Jack Swagger matches, especially when he has a chance to mo- you know be motivated and show himself. Like the guy has a lot of really good matches on shows no one ever watches on main event on superstars uh, with guys like Titus O'Neil with guys like Rusev. Uh, I could see Alberto Del Rio and Jack Swagger being a good one, but the wild card is Del Rio of all people. Like Del Rio really has to bring it for this match to click. I've loved Jack Swagger's fire this past couple weeks. I think he's great. I, I, I wish they'd do something with him, but I, I can't see them doing it here unless the whole backstage segment with Alberto and, and Zeb is to set up a Zeb turning and going back to Jack and screwing Del Rio and thus making him a face, which seems absolutely ridiculous right now. It, it, it seems ridiculous, but yeah, you have that. You have the whole situation where, okay, Alberto Del Rio is now in this League of Nations. And Zeb Coulter, if you're going to go by storyline here, Zeb Coulter and Alberto Del Rio were creating their own nation. Mm-hmm. And at the end there, they didn't want anyone else in their nation. And here Alberto goes off behind Zeb Coulter's back and now makes alliances with other <laughs> nations. So I can see the reasoning being for Zeb Coulter to kind of shift his focus away from Del Rio. And you know what? If he joins up Jack Swagger, that it doesn't, completely not make sense like it, it, there you can find some logic in there because you know Del Rio and Swagger have been feuding so briefly so far in the comeback that you can call it you know Zeb Coulter just trying to find his way back into the WWE fold and he hooked onto Del Rio and it was a mistake and he needs to go back with Jack Swagger but that requires a Swagger win and I don't see them putting the belt on him necessarily oh absolutely not but Maybe he doesn't turn on uh, Del Rio on Sunday. Maybe he quietly goes back. Maybe there's not even a uh, animosity in the breakup of Zeb Coulter and Del Rio. Zeb just says, "You've done your thing. I'm going to go my way." And then you Jack didn't, you didn't, goes somewhere you didn't, else. You didn't see the segment, then, did you? Um, I did not uh, see the backstage segment you're referring to. No, they had a they had a falling out. Oh well, there you go. Well, and, there you and, go. And 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 he said, "Stay away from me," because of the whole. When, when, oh, this must be Hulu then. Yes. It was Hulu. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, I tried to go the whole show with only watching the Hulu version of Raw. Well, well what I did is actually, it wasn't even the Hulu version of I'm Raw. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to out you. No, like, no, no. I, I tell you, it wasn't even the Hulu version of Raw. Okay. I didn't watch Raw last night. I watched it today and I had a limited amount of time. So I had all of Raw recorded, but I was doing quite a bit of freelance skipping. Okay. Uh, here's a segment. Here's a segment. So if there was a 20 second backstage segment, yeah, likelihood that I missed it is high. Even though of all the backstage segments I could have skipped, I did see Stardust and Titus O'Neil. Okay. Um, I, I didn't mean to out you. I'm just sitting here arguing going, wait, it was right there on Raw. So I missed they that part. Okay. So that, all right, so that makes sense. So we have the breakup now Yeah. of Zeb Coulter and Alberto Del Rio. And that's probably all for the best, really. Okay. I mean, that, that is all for the best. And and it it was odd because it, it everything about that show was odd because even the Titus O'Neil saving Del Rio from Stardust hitting him with a chair I'm like wait they're heels why are you it's like okay whatever so Del Rio's in that weird morass of whether or not he's a heel or a face at times kind of like the Bellas and this, you know wait was this 
falling out after the Stardust match? Yes. Okay, so when so was it all here, here, set up? Okay, it was me, all me... set up because Del Rio tripped on Zeb yes. Coulter's wheelchair. Yes, that oh, is the great, reason yeah. for the breakup. You were in my way. Oh wow. Well, you, you wouldn't have been here unless I saw the opportunity for you to take down Cena. Stay out of my way, old man. I never want to see you again. He storms off. That's pretty much what the breakup was. Because right. he tripped over a scooter. Well, okay. So for all we know on Sunday, Zeb Coulter can come out with, you know, Jack, Jack Swagger. Swagger. Which I think is going to happen. But that does not require a Swagger win. Because okay. think of the big time Jack Swagger matches last year with Rusev where you had the big Patriots going into Los Angeles and Jack Swagger was higher than he had ever been, including the times when he was world champion. And they still beat him. A good point. They, they can still beat him no matter how high he is on anything. Mm-hmm. And Zeb Coulter isn't that important to, the, to be where if he first joins somebody, that person has to win. He ain't that important. Right, but it's, it's a significant story in that he gets revenge in some way. So, but, he's not, but let's put it this way. Swagger ain't getting the belt. Swagger's not getting the belt. Alberto but, but Del the Rio is going to win. The match might be good. It could be. It could be really good. It could yes. also be really boring. And I'm hoping, obviously, for the really good. Yeah. I would, I would, I would enjoy that very much. Um, do you think this match opens the show? Mm, of, of the announced card, yes. Do you think, okay, so is there or a match else, that is uh, not currently announced that you think might is open Dol- the show? Is Dolph Ziggler anywhere on this card? He is not. Because that's who I'd expect to open it, something hot like that, or a, or Neville. One of those two to win a match. Like, in like a opener. Neville and Miz? Yeah. We could see Neville and Miz maybe on the pre-show. Now, I did see they were backstage doing something. Yes. Was oh. that anything? Mm. Miz was, no, it was mostly the cross-promotion with the Donnie Deutsch show. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, I can make you a star just like Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan got no reaction at all. The, the saying of his name. And then Deutsch came in and goes, uh, you know, you can be on my show sometime. And Miz goes, Oh, I'd love to No, You can be on it later. I want Neville now. And of course, you know, Miz gets all pissy at that. And Neville throws away Miz's card and keeps Donnie Deutsch's card. Mm. Mm. Yes. Mm. Show business. This will be the episode of Shake Them Ropes where Rob saw none of the backstage segments, so uh, <laughs> Jeff will fill me in on all of them. Yeah, and the only thing other than that I wanted to mention about Miz was, God, I thought that whole Miz TV setup was possibly to bring in Maurice. <laughs> when yeah. Charlotte, Charlotte brought up your wife, I went, oh, crap, this is the surprise? Nope. Okay. Maurice ain't coming back, which is a shame. She was great. Uh, but let's talk about that one, Charlotte and Paige. The Divas Championship, Becky Lynch, nowhere to be seen. Charlotte <laughs> Page. What, was Becky Lynch seen on Raw last night? She was not seen on Raw last Look night. Look at that. I didn't miss anything, huh? Uh, no. Charlotte and Page, Ric Flair was uh, on Miz TV with Charlotte. Talking about family this and family that. Miz getting really heated. Uh, where do you see this one going? As right now, the lines are blurred as far as who's the good one to cheer for, who's the bad one to boo. And what are they going to do next with uh, whoever wins this match? Mm, I, you know, <laughs> I don't know because there's nobody here worth cheering. So I can't think of anything logical other than either Becky joins with Paige or Charlotte and Paige end up eventually forming an alliance. 
when Becky comes down to the ring. I, you know, that's the weird thing, but I think Charlotte retains the belt. I think Charlotte retains the belt too. And then I, I, I have to believe she goes on to Becky Lynch. Yeah. Like, the answer here is not Becky Lynch to join up with someone else. Right. And especially no, not she, Paige. Cause she's the only face right now in the division really, other than Natty. Right. I, I just stop joining up with other people, especially when you had the blow off with Paige before. I mean, the reason why Becky isn't with Paige right now is because Paige kept beating her up. Right, but they're doing this weird thing where it's like, well, Paige was right all along. Paige was right all along, which kind of makes her a baby face of sorts. She, that's was, weird. she was right all along, but at the same time, she went about it very poorly. I agree. Very poorly. It's just odd. No, I think, yeah, I think basically it's one of those things where you know, I I know Flair's going to be down ringside. It would be very interesting if they brought in someone to corner Page, but I don't think they're going to do that either. I think I, pa- yeah. I think I think I think Ric Flair basically cost Page the match in some way. He could. He could. I just uh I, I would like them not to do the storyline where Becky is just alongside whoever's nice to her that day. Yeah, don't make her don't make her the dumb baby face. No. The Bailey, she'd be the Bailey in this storyline. She'd be the Bailey. She could be the Bailey. Um, so we got the chairs match for the U S title. We got the women's uh, championship, the divas championship. Mm-hmm. Now returning to WWE raw last night, he's been in NXT for a little bit. Now Rhino is back and he is going to be on the pay-per-view as well as Tommy dreamer teaming with the Dudleys going up against the entire Wyatt family in a eight man tag team tables match. How hyped are you for the return of Rhino? I like Rhino. I'm not that hyped for the return because I think he's basically here to be cannon fodder. Um, but it, I mean, is, is this an elimination match or is this a one, one guy? Yeah, through probably a table? not. I don't think it's an elimination match. Okay. So either dreamer or Rhino is going through a table. We can eliminate seven guys through tables. I guess you could, but yeah. Yeah. I would say dreamer goes to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dreamers should be the one. Maybe Rhino, maybe Rhino, maybe Rhino. you know, I mean, you got the NXT, uh, you know, a little deal there finally makes the main roster Rhino again. Uh, Boy, did they try hard for that Rhino Corbin stare down type spot with Roman Reigns and Rhino, didn't they? The two big hosses kind of coming together that both used spears. Yeah, why not? Yeah. And then it failed miserably, unfortunately. Well, because most things Roman touches are failing. <laughs> and then also it's Rhino. I mean, they're in South yeah. Carolina of all places. You introduce Rhino. No one cares. Well, you realize that ECW went out of business in 2001, and it's been nostalgia It's been a since. long time. Yeah. It's been a long freaking time, man. Yeah, but I, I think, I, you know, I think this is the, the Wyatt's reclamation project. It, it's also been a long time since Rhino was on WWE TV, not just yeah. ECW, Man, that, WWE TV. God, I hope that's not what they did all that polling on NXT to, to then come to the conclusion that people want to see Rhino. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, there are nine-year-olds that weren't alive when the Dudleys last appeared on WWE TV. Weren't alive. It's been a long time. So that's your eight-man tag team tables match. So we got the chairs match out of the way. We got mm-hmm. the tables match out of, out of the way. Mm-hmm. The ladder match on this show is the triple threat tag team title ladder match. The New Day against the Usos and the Lucha Dragons. And here you are again with the Usos, who are part of this Roman Reigns-Dean Ambrose group not feuding with anyone of the League of Nations, not feuding with anyone in the Wyatts or anyone else here. They're off on their own in this tag team title chase. The big program here is that the third team who hasn't been in a match on Raw is always interfering, costing matches here. 
So we're going to have a three-team ladder match. First off, Jeff, before we get uh, talking on the match here, who do you expect to wrestle for the New Day? Oh, so it's just a three-way? Oh, no. Triple no. threat, triple threat tag team title match. So you got Big E, Kofi, and Xavier Woods. I would imagine Xavier keeps his role on the outside, and we got Big E and Kofi, no? Oh, yeah, but you know, I don't know if Big E's taking those spots off the ladder. This might be Woods and... and uh, you could throw Woods in there to do the big spots and you yeah, know, this might be Woods. To, this this might be Woods to take a bit of a beating with with Big E doing some copious interference here and there. All right, now you got all three of these teams. The Big Usos return. Uh, I would be shocked, shocked. I tell you, if the Lucha Dragons leave this match as the tag team champions. So really, here it is becoming New Day and the Usos. And if you're going into WrestleMania season and doing anything with the tag team titles, and all this can go out the window because. At WrestleMania season, you tend to have three or four teams all involved anyway, so it doesn't matter who actually has the tag team title belts. You would assume that you push the Usos for a singularity shot, a single shot, against the New Day, so the New Day would retain here over the Lucha Dragons. Uh, what do you see happening? I think the New Day keeps the belts through WrestleMania. So I think they win this. I think, I think somehow they break the rules in that the third member of the New Day climbs up and grabs a belt to win it. There you go. Yeah, it could be the third member because it doesn't matter. I mean, there's and no it, disqualifications. Well, you can all yeah. six men could be busy, and all of a sudden you have Xavier Woods up there climbing the ladder, playing his trombone as he climbs the ladder. Well, it's it's one of those things where they've been tricking the other teams of late in terms of rules. So you know, oh, we attacked both guys. Ergo, it's a double disqualification. There is no number one contender. We don't have a match. Since the ladder match is no disqualification, that third member is probably grabbing the belt. Or if they do this, it's going to kill me. They don't have to grab both belts, do they? I would imagine so, yeah. Oh, so there's a chance we get a split tag team champ? The, oh, I didn't even think of that. I, don't, I wouldn't think so. Like an Uso and Xavier Woods or something? Well, they've no. done these tag team matches before, and I think they might have put like both belts on one rung that's hung up. So it's kind of like that. You grab the little... The, yeah. the little ring off of the thing and it but holds I'm, both titles. I don't know. I'm going with New Day retaining though. God, the awkwardness if Jay Uso grabbed one belt and Big E grabbed the other. Yeah. Could happen, Jeff. Could. I hope not though. And now, I mean, we, we've confirmed that Vince McMahon listens to this podcast. So, I mean, he could be stealing this idea this very moment. <laughs> he listens to this podcast. He's mad at me. So he ain't taking any of my ideas. I wouldn't necessarily say he's mad at you, Jeff. Just a I, little disappointed. What, that I want him dead? Wow. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I'm going to get an angry email from Vince Jr. about that one. No, I, I, I said I wanted him away. That's right. I tempered my words. Yeah, Never. you got to calm down here, Jeff. I mean, this is what I've been saying to people all week. It's the Christmas season. Mm -hmm. I mean, quit getting overwhelmed by small shit. Calm down. Calm down, everybody. Thank you, Mr. Scrooge. How am I Scrooge? <laughs> let's, was, let's settle that right now. How the hell am no, I, I Scrooge? I'm telling you everyone to calm down. It's the Christmas season. Have fun. Enjoy life. Well, you're a Scrooge about my time. How about that? False. Intercontinental <laughs> title, Dean Ambrose, Kevin Owens. They haven't faced off in a promo one bit. No. But Dean Ambrose is coming for that title. And last oh, night, we, we saw the return. A prop comic Dean Ambrose. Prop comic Dean Ambrose. 
opening for Gallagher and the amazing Jonathan. Oh, no, amazing Jonathan passed away. My fault. Um, wow. You are just, where are we right now? Where are we? Dean Ambrose, the popcorn, the soda, very healthy eating, this guy. Like, no wonder he's in such great shape. You have uh, a birthday cake? Come on. All Kevin Owens wanted after his match last night was for his music to play, and Dean Ambrose had to ruin that, not only ruin the music being played, but also throw popcorn in his face and a soda in his face. Mm-hmm. Very inconsiderate from Dean Ambrose. Uh, Dean Ambrose has tried many times and failed many times this year to win championships. Can he finally, here in December, close out the year as the intercontinental champion of the continents? No, because I think the story is probably that Team Dean or Team Roman or the family or whatever they're going to call them all get hosed out of their title matches going into Rumble. And we might see a couple title changes there. The Royal Rumble is still, I mean, it's going to be, what, five or six weeks away. I, I think it's five, might be six. Five right. or six weeks away here. And you might have some other names come back. I mean, we're still waiting to see if John Cena is going to be back soon. We're going to wonder and see if Brock Lesnar is coming back for that pay-per-view. And you got the Royal Rumble match itself. A lot of these storylines are going to be self-contained into the Rumble itself, and we're not going to see five undercard matches between Dean Ambrose and the likes of all these mid-carders who are in this group. So, like, whatever they do, if Kevin Owens wins the Intercontinental Championship or retains it here, he's going to have it all the way until February. Yeah, I just don't see a plan here of what they're going to do with either Dean or Kevin. Dean, if he wins it, or Kevin, if he loses it. That's that's the thing, is there's nothing, for lack of a better term, obvious to, to do with either of them. So I don't see why they wouldn't maintain the status quo here. Unless Sasha Banks, of course, gets to win the Intercontinental title. Right. And then new boom period, well, you know, where she just dances yeah, for 30 minutes. That's all I yes. want. Yeah, and with the scheduling of this year, too, like it's not like Christmas is on a Monday and New Year's Eve is on a Monday and all these days where you would have nope. like filler program. I mean, your Christmas episode will be on the 21st, then you have Raw on the 28th, and then January 4th. So they're going to have all new Raws here. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, six episodes of Raw between TLC and the Royal Rumble. So a lot could happen. You could always have like an intercontinental title match on one of these TV shows and maybe something uh, changes there. I guess you could always do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, walking out of TLC, the intercontinental champion, I have to think it'll be Kevin Owens as well, but I would not be shocked one bit. This might be the match where it really could go 50-50. Yeah, I agree. uh, that, That Dean Ambrose could possibly win the championship. So... So far, and I expect one more match at least to be added on SmackDown, or maybe they'll just throw one on on Sunday. But those are the five matches we've discussed. There's only one more match on the card advertised at this moment. And that is the World Heavyweight Championship match. Mm. The TLC match for the titles. Roman Reigns versus the current champion, Sheamus. How hyped are you, Jeff? About average. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm I'm excited to see what how how much restraint they may, they put on this whole Roman uh, Sheamus match because like the clothes 
after the long, drawn-out, terrible, terrible segment <laughs> back and forth involving uh, involving the cash crop of Idaho, um, <laughs> you know, it got a little bit it got a little bit fighty at the end there, and I kind of dug that. So there, there's part of me that's kind of hyped for this to yes. see how much carnage is involved. Yes, but oh yeah, because you had the wild brawl. The wild yeah. brawl at the end of Raw was cool. Yes. And if you have anything close to that on the pay-per-view, it could be really fun. And I'm going into here, no matter how many times, and it's happened a lot this year, that WWE has screwed you out of a regular finish to a pay-per-view, mm -hmm. a clear decision with the World Heavyweight Championship. It's happened so often that this year that I shouldn't be getting worked up so much about the title. I shouldn't expect them to have a clean finish on a pay-per-view title match or a clear, decisive winner in a pay-per-view title match. We shouldn't expect that. Yet at the same time, that's probably the one thing I'm most looking forward to on this show is to figure out what they do with the title. If Roman Reigns gets his big win, if Sheamus holds onto the belt, which means Sheamus is going to go into the Royal Rumble most likely as the champion, which I never would have thought, even after Survivor Series. When he won the Survivor Series title match, I did not see only two months later going into Royal Rumble I am not picturing Sheamus as the world heavyweight champion going into one of these major shows of the year for WWE. Like, I expect Sheamus to lose the title here, but all the evidence points to the contrary. The fact that you don't, if you're going to make Roman Reigns the next big thing, you probably don't, wanting, don't want him to win his first title, uh, which I guess would be his second title. Uh, you don't want him to have his first real reign starting at a TLC pay-per-view. Uh, no, you kind of want to build I, that up for something a little bit more in the future. So like all the evidence points against it, but I expect Roman Reigns somehow to kind of win. I don't know why I'm probably being very wrong here. As you've pointed out with all the factions in play, it all makes sense for Sheamus to win. It makes sense for the League of Nations to be involved. It does. Yeah. It does. But you mentioned, Jeff, this, <laughs> uh, this segment at the end of Raw. Yes. Before we got the wild brawling. Mm-hmm. We got Roman Reigns going back and forth with a with words going back and forth with Sheamus. The two using their words, their sarcastic laughs, their anything that they can think of, their wit, if you will. Um, I would not be surprised if the viewership is way down in the third hour of Raw. Because, I mean, my God, who is paying attention to 15 minutes at the close of a WWE Raw to listen to Roman Reigns go back and forth with Sheamus. I'm watching this promo angle, knowing that Raw is almost over, knowing that there's probably going to be some type of confrontation. But I kept watching, thinking they have to be doing something. Maybe John Cena returns here. Something is going to happen here, more than just these two getting into a fight and the show ending. Because I just don't see these two guys paired up together being that big of a deal. This is where their characterizations of Sheamus and Roman Reigns failed them badly because Sheamus is now a shitheel coward with a pleasant little smile who's happy, happy, happy because he outsmarted Roman Reigns and Roman Reigns is the clever, smart-alecky, quippy hero and he doesn't have the ammunition to, to talk the coward into a fight. And as opposed to just being two badasses 
now we're stalling for time, trying to figure out a way to banter with one another to get heat going on this on this angle. And it just it, it wasn't very good. It felt like they were stalling it for wasn't. time. It felt like they said, OK, we're going to match the ending of the football game. Keep going until we give you a signal. And of course, the last couple minutes of the football game after Raw finally went off the air were exciting as hell. So it seemed like they were just kind of dragging it out for time because it went, what, 15, 20 minutes? It went so long. Yeah. It went so long. But uh, yeah, I'm just watching this thing like, what's going to happen? And then the brawl happens. And you know what? The brawl's, the brawl was pretty cool. So, uh, you know, I'm not hating on the entire segment. They did what they did. Uh, you got all this excitement or lack thereof. I mean, you, you saw pictures. I mean, pictures were being posted on Twitter today of the crowd. You know, people leaving in the empty seats at the end of Raw because people got what they came to see, I guess. Uh, No John Cena again. Um, Speaking of John Cena, the guy was on the Today Show uh, yesterday. He did the Today Show the week after he started his hiatus. Uh, He's going to be in the new Sisters movie, the Tina Fey, Amy Poehler movie. He's doing a lot of stuff. He's, of course, recording his uh, the pilot and all these episodes for his reality show that will be on Fox next year. The guy's been kept busy. Are you surprised we haven't seen any John Cena like vignettes at all? You know, interview segments done via video. We just have completely had the John Cena blackout on Raw. I'm not surprised uh, for two different reasons. Uh, Number one, I think that the blackout on John Cena and even Nikki Bella to some effect as a residual mentioning of John Cena, I think it's an experiment. I think it's 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 one of those mental experiments by Vince. Okay, who's going to step up here? Who's going to step up here? Who's going to step up here? And on the flip side, I think John Cena is self-aware enough to know if I shut up and I'm not on TV, they're going to miss me a lot more. And I'm going to be popular when I get back. He'll be a breath of fresh air, if you can imagine that. Yeah. John Cena being the breath of fresh air, who has also think, been on top and by the as way, long I as think these nine-year-olds were alive. I think you're dead on about Nikki being the uber face in this whole Divas Revolution thing. Nikki's going to come back at WrestleMania, be the first Diva to have a really strong singles match in a WrestleMania because it'll be Nikki Bella going up against Charlotte trying to get her title back. And people will be so far behind Nikki Bella, it will be unbelievable. You'll have no idea how we got here, but we will. Nikki Mm -hmm. Bella, the strong uber baby face, riding that train into WrestleMania to defeat the monster Charlotte. That's what I see happening with these, with the women. I see the women's division being led by Charlotte and Nikki Bella, and we'll see how we get there. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't hate it. I like Nikki Bella to come on back. Best worker in the division. Come on back, Nikki Bella. Bring your boyfriend with you. You can freshen up the TV show. Well, while the main event segment of raw may not necessarily inspire you to purchase or watch WWE TLC on Sunday. It did inspire us to do something, Jeff. It Uh-oh. inspired us. Did it? it did. It inspired okay. me, and then I told you we're doing it. Okay, cool. It inspired us to bring back Shake Them Ropes, Them Theater. Ropes Theater. Shake Them Ropes Theater is back <clears throat> here. We begin after WWE Monday Night Raw. Backstage. Roman Reigns, triumphant, entering the office of the chairman, Vince McMahon, looking for congratulations on the 
big show closing angle. We begin with Roman Reigns. Yes, Vincent, I, I have returned now after using my Meisner technique. You know, I, I disagreed with you originally that the, that, that latter metaphor was a bit on the nose, but you know what? Those, those teeter tot jokes, they seem to work. Oh, oh, God damn, kid, you said it again, tater tot. Oh, my God, oh, my God. You Say it again, say it again, tater tot. Well, perhaps next week we'd use other variety of French. Go back to tater tot. Go back to tater tot. Tater. Oh, I love it when you said tater tot. Did you see how the crowd reacted that first time you said tater tot and then how they, they reacted less and less every other time you said it? But I'm still back here laughing. Oh, God, kid, you got a future. I feel the anti-Irish humor has really centered my character. What what other type of potatoes can you call him next week? We could call him a hash brown. Oh my oh my god! Here come here! I think I'm the best creative mind of the business, kid. And you're talking about tater tots and mashed potatoes and all these different types of hash browns. Oh my god! How do you keep doing it? Yes, for next week I have other varieties of symbolism that I could also put into this script, much like your ladder. If you'd only read my script notes that I gave to you for the past three weeks, perhaps we could work something out. Tater tot. Mashed potato. I'm sorry, I, I wasn't listening to you. I'm trying to write next week's promo. What? What? What was that again? Tater oh, never mind. I need to go shower because I have a I have a sick child to visit. Fella. Becky Lynch. Fella. Oh, hello, Seamus. Jolly good job on that on that entire play out there in front of the crowd. They seem to really eat it up. Although I was a bit disturbed that they were all leaving before the end. Fella. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't hold on to that. Teacher, hey guys, how's it going? What are you doing here, Alexa Bliss? <laughs> Why are you interrupting this session of, of Tater Tot promo I talk? Was, I was wondering if I could have if I could have a program with Becky Lynch later on this year. Maybe you could bring me up to the main roster, dump my dump my team of uh, uh, those two blonde guys who I'm dating one of them, you know. And this has been. <laughs> Shake them ropes theater. The Disgusting. Theater. The theater. And scene. My, uh, now Vince McMahon would hate this if he's still listening to the show because I don't know why I decided to make him a limited Southern person. That's all right. I decided to make. It's like the opposite of what he would want to be. I obviously don't have, you know, <laughs> character voices one bit. <gasps> My limited, my limited Seamus, of course. I mean, I mean no offense. All I can do in the Irish accent is no Irish accent. No, you don't understand. We established very, very early on in this. We do bad impressions of people, not good impressions. Bad impressions of people, but that was the office scene uh, backstage after Roman Reigns tries to expand a little bit. Obviously fails. Didn't quite uh, grasp Vince McMahon did of what Roman was trying to do, but goddamn Tater Tot's hilarious. Hilarious. And also TLC. Sponsored by Orida. <laughs> okay. You know, the big French fried potato maker. Sure. It was all branding. That's all it was, was branding. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? No. Okay. A, a lot of branding going on. Yeah. You said tater tot way too much, but uh, Sami Zayn <laughs> is returning on the NXT TakeOver Tour in Europe. Good. Uh, big news. I'm excited to see what he's doing. I, I wonder if he'll be on the actual TakeOver special. Uh, that will be uh, interesting to see because now we have no Sammy Callahan. We have no CJ Parker. So who is going to be the guy that takes the fall for Sammy Zayn's return? I would imagine it would be Ty Dillinger, no? 
I don't even think he needs to wrestle necessarily. He could come out as part of an angle or give a promo of some kind. That's very true. He could. Have you? Uh, are you all caught up on Breaking Ground? I am. Last week's Breaking Ground, which was uh, this week's episode, actually, of Breaking Ground, mm-hmm. and over the course of the last couple of weeks, uh, is it not true that they have portrayed Carmela as the nicest girl in the planet? She is a phenomenal sweetheart She's on this a show. sweetie pie, this Both Carmella. her and Bailey are just coming off so great. I want to see, like, I just want Breaking Ground to be about them at this point. I think you found your stars, and you may disagree on some of them, but, I mean, Carmela... Absolutely. Uh, Bailey comes off really well. I have I had no surprise in that. I mean, yeah. Bailey seems like the one who would come off super well. Jason uh, Jordan is coming off phenomenal on this show. Yeah, I tell you, I tell you what with Jason Jordan. And the other one I was gonna say was Baron Corbin. We know how I feel about Baron Corbin and how he's portrayed. It's awesome. But Jason Jordan is an interesting one because they are focusing on him a lot. And he certainly has the looks, he certainly has the athleticism. He has a lot of pros that make you believe he can be successful. The one thing with Jason Jordan I haven't seen on this show and you don't see really on camera is he is not appearing to be the type of guy who is going to go out there and reach for it. He's not the guy who's going to go grasp it no matter what. He does not appear to be that guy who is destined to be a top star based on the limitations of his own personality. Well, you know what? It's twofold. There are twofold things here that, that I noticed. Number one, He's the one guy for which breaking the fourth wall has worked in terms of they establish what his problem is, that he doesn't have much of a personality, and now they're showing that he has a lot of personality. He's the only guy on this that that has worked for in terms of helping someone, in terms Mm. of studio notes and then showing. But Jordan said something very important to his development that makes me worried that he may not understand how it works. He wants him and Gable to be a team much in the vein of how the territory teams work, where you stick together forever. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And you go traveling. That's not how this works. And that's what I'm kind of talking about here is, I'm not saying that Jason Jordan has shown no personality. He absolutely has shown personality, a lot of it. But within that personality, it doesn't appear he wants to be, or he is the type of guy with the makeup of, I'm going to go reach this. I'm going to go get it no matter what happens, you know. If my partner get hurt, gets hurt, so be it. I'm better off on my yeah. own. The killer, like, in, the killer yes. instinct from he, being a yes. high-level athlete is not transferring over on this show. And it's odd to me that he was that high-level athlete and isn't necessarily exhibiting it. Maybe it's something he's just gotten over or something. But no, I think you're right. And, and to that point, I think putting Baron Corbin in a haunted house, not the best idea. I don't care where they put Baron Corbin anymore. Put him on Raw for all I care. I mean, okay. this guy should be the one who shows up in the in the NXT role in the Royal Rumble. Give it to Baron Corbin. Yes. This guy should be on Raw. Now, I, now, I like the fact that Baron Corbin is down on NXT because he's one of the bigger guys. He can be a strong heel. He looks better. He's he improving. Up, yeah. He might be my most improved this year. Oh, certainly. I mean, absolutely. I would put him up there for sure, especially now that he got the heel character over because he's more comfortable in the ring. I do worry, uh, you know, the same reason when Albert came back as Lord Tensai, like he's this monster. He's this huge guy in Japan and anywhere he goes, but you put him back in the WWE ring and he's, while big, he's not really that much bigger than other people around. So he kind of looks more average. Baron mm-hmm. Corbin is going to look like a somewhat tall kind of thin guy compared to a lot of the other characters in WWE. And I worry that that's going to hurt him a little bit, 
but he certainly has the confidence to belong up there. Yeah, it shocked me how small Ty Dillinger looked next to him, next to Baron Corbin. Yeah, I, I don't know how they're going to look, because I can't really compare it, because, I mean, the one time we've seen him in a WWE-type arena on a big show with WWE lighting was at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, and I don't know if you can really compare that when he's in the ring with Samoa Joe, you know? I, I How is Samoa Joe going to compare differently than if he's in the ring with Kane, for example? Like, he'll look pretty small. Mm-hmm. So I, I worry about that aspect, but I, I want to see him up there in the uh, in the WWE a little bit more. And we, we're talking about NXT. Jeff, mm. yes. it is time mm-hmm. for Jeff Hawkins' NXT unofficial and arbitrary power rankings for the week. Yes. No, do not use these for wagering, kids. Number four on my list, seriousness. It works. Dash and Dawson looking into the camera saying you're going to have a broken leg flying back. Samoa Joe just being a total ass kicker from back in the day. Bailey giving a very, very sincere promo. Seriousness works. I think sometimes they get a little bit too cutesy, especially in the tag team division with, especially with Jordan Gable being a little bit too Kurt Angley at times. With the va- And you have the vaude villains being kind of a clownish act here. Seriousness works. I like comedy in my wrestling, but I like it in small doses. Number three on my list, Minnie Eva Marie's parents. Oh, sure, you can let your kid dress up as a demon or in streamers and headbands like Bailey, or you can put them in fake fur in a bikini and put them in front of a few hundred beta males who have no idea what to do with a woman. Good on you, guys. I know you have a lot of confidence in in your parenting abilities, and you're going to need it from now on because those parents are... I don't know what they're doing with this child, but... Hey, more power to you. Number two, Emmy's shitty, Emma's shitty little gloves. Now, I don't say those as the gloves are terrible. I say those in the vein of Roderick Strong's shitty little boots. These gloves are fascinating, Rod. Have you seen these gloves that she wears? Yeah. They're not quite full gloves. Nope. They barely go over the fingers. I am fascinated by these gloves. I don't know how she keeps them on. Sometimes it looks like she's having trouble keeping them on. Exactly. I don't know. And, and, and they're, they're a great accoutrement to her heel persona. I don't know why, but they work for me. I tell you, still the match I'm looking forward to most. I am as well. That I am now hyped for that match most of all because I've kind of cooled down a little bit on Nia Jax um, just from watching her sell a little bit. I think her and Bailey will be fine, but in terms of women's matches on this card, I think Emma and, and, and Asuka is going to be fantastic. Absolutely. And then number one. This is, might be of interest to you in some way. I don't know. The color red. From Gable's towel to the villains and Nia Jax's new outfits to Alexa Bliss to Eva Marie. There is a lot of red on this show. And when you get red, it means they're going to actually do something with you. Now, it has worked wonders for Alexa Bliss, going from the blue oh, fairy yes. to having red edges. It's kind of done a little bit for the vaude villains having a little bit of personality and not shaking hands with Jordan and Gable post-match. It's done quite a bit of good for, I think, Nia Jax's outfit, to be honest with you, because that blue and the black weren't very uh, compelling to me. But there is a lot of red. I wish they'd find a few other colors in the palette to color people, but the color red is very dominant right now, and it tops my unofficial and arbitrary rankings. The color Red. Speaking yes. of the color red, match number 53 
on our mm. top 100 countdown matches to see before you die edge versus Mick Foley from WrestleMania 22, both men bloody at the end of this one color red prevalent in this match. Um, I was there live. This is coming from WrestleMania 22. It was the no holds barred falls count anywhere match. Chicago, right? Mick Foley, Chicago, Illinois on uh, April 2nd, 2006, WrestleMania 22. I was in Chicago for the entire weekend. I went to uh, ROH shows the two nights before and then WrestleMania on the Sunday night being there live. This was a spectacle for sure. Uh, This whole night was just an interesting night you know, WrestleMania wise, because it was a Chicago crowd. It was a smarky crowd. And you had commentary mentioning it in several of the matches, how this crowd was basically cheering very loudly, vociferously for people they shouldn't be cheering for Uh, a fun night, a fun match. Before we get going into this one, what were your overall memories of WrestleMania 22 in this match in particular? You know, I don't have a lot of memories for this because I was kind of a bit lapsed at this time. From being a fan. I remember, I think I, I had it on in the background. I didn't buy it. If I had watched it, I watched it illegally, to be honest with you. Um, but I remember just kind of everything kind of being a blur in terms of wrestling history. And nothing really stood out to me all that much at this time. Because I think this was the time where you had, like I was looking on the, on the, on the portraits of the walls on the, on the arena. It's like Lashley, Hogan. Yeah. You know, you had all yep. the, you know, this was like ECW time, wasn't it? in uh, WWE or it was close to it. It was close, it was to, close it to it because one of the matches on the show was the money in the <clears> bank <throat> ladder match that Rob Van Dam won. Yeah. Which you eventually cashed in for the ECW title shot. So we were coming into a few months later, a very interesting time in WWE where ECW was kicking back uh, on. It was getting yeah. their own time slot. You still had Raw SmackDown separated a very but, interesting time. But at this time, you know, my friends had mostly stopped getting together for pay-per-views and and whatnot and you know you're kind of left to your own devices and you know for me at that time i'm not buying a 50 or 60 dollar pay-per-view just to you know just to to watch it i'll i'll watch raw the next day to see what happened and then if anything anything's worth seeking out i would i mean you know good they still had uh illegal streaming sites down not illegal streaming but uh things you could download stuff on like LimeWire and yeah. whatnot in the, the back then and i could go watch it from there right. of interest to me on the setup of this behind the uh behind the announcing team uh former Washington Redskins quarterback Joe Theismann watching the show which, why not which and star of Cannonball Run too if you want but sure. just an older guy that you wouldn't expect to see at a wrestling show now i have two questions for you here number 1 in your life did you ever go to like a 99 cent store or a hardware store, much like they did in Bar Bar City in that documentary, and buy one of those cheapo cookie pans and hit yourself in the head to see if it hurt? I never have. Okay. No. No. <laughs> Seems no, like I... an odd question, but, you know, I've hit myself with a cookie sheet before to see if it hurt. <laughs> and did it? <laughs> I whacked myself a bit hard, I think. Uh Thus, the brain oh, damage on oh, this show. Oh, no. wait a second. So you whack yourself with it hard because it hurt you and you're trying to save <laughs> face a little bit for those who may have also tried it and not been hurt one bit. Oh, no. I. You know what? I can't remember if it hurt or not. I don't remember at the time. I remember a bunch of friends and I decided one, one day to just do a hardcore match. And we just started whacking ourselves with crap. It was stupid, but whatever. Um, Number two. 
<laughs> if I can get past that first question somehow. Do you find this, because I know we had mentioned this before, do you find this to be the transcendent WrestleMania moment that Foley and Edge wanted this to be? I, It's a memorable moment. You know, the finish of the match, the big flaming table spot where Edge spears Mick Foley through the table. It's a memorable moment, but I don't believe it's... It's nowhere close to Hogan body slamming Andre. Right. It's 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 not that close to uh, some of the bigger moments. I mean, Undertaker's twenty one the no streak is not necessarily a moment, but something you relate to WrestleMania. Um, follow up. It's big, but I wouldn't put it in the top tier. Right. I agree. Now, follow up question: Do you believe that this is because extreme wrestling, so to speak, kind of dulled us to these types of, um these types of moments. I think that's probably some of it. Okay. Um, it might be the fact that, you know, it's Mick Foley, honestly, maybe it's edge. Maybe it's the combination of those two together where they were never the biggest stars in the company. Yeah. Foley was already far gone from his prime and had retired a few times going into this. Correct. And edge was Edge was a guy, but not the guy, especially when he had the title and he wasn't, you know, he was a top tier heel that they never really wanted to put the rocket on necessarily as the face of the company. Yeah. I mean, he was an important guy and he would go on to feud with John Cena and he was already in that way. I mean, he was an important guy, but you know, for all this edge is a hall of famer talk. He was never the top guy. Right. So I don't know. I don't know what it may be. I think maybe in the era of, you know, we have the WWE Network now and the post-2000 WrestleManias. I just don't know if people are thinking of WrestleMania moments in the same way they did in the past. So I think Edge, you have greater WrestleMania moments in the past than you do have the current. Like, uh, just because, I don't know, maybe there's a lot more stuff going on. Maybe things blur together a little bit. The stars aren't as big. Yeah, so in short, I was watching this not necessarily with fresh eyes, but not jaundiced eyes in that I've seen this 8 million times. Um, I think this might be, I think this might be the first time I ever watched this match from start to finish on video. I know I've checked it out. I wanted to see some of the spots, how they looked on TV after, you know, being there live, but I'm pretty sure it's the first time I've seen it from start to finish on video. And, you know, it it basically went kind of like how I remembered. It was a long match. It went about 15 minutes. It was longer than some of the other matches on the show. I think there was only one or two that went long. Yeah. Two matches only went longer than uh, this Mick Foley edge match. But I mean, you, you start off with the wild brawling. Mm-hmm. They included a spot in this match, which, uh, you know, somewhat pretty clever. The big barbed wire around the waist spot. I cr- they're, yeah, go ahead. They're, they're brawling, brawling. Edge is getting the better of them because, I mean, of course, Edge is the athletic young superstar in WWE. Mick Foley is the broken down, you know, guy who really probably shouldn't be in the ring at all. But Mick Foley is clever. I mean, Mick Foley is the one who plays the mind games. I mean, he's a veteran in the ring. So Edge goes for his spear early on in the match. This happened in like the first two minutes of the match. Edge goes for his spear, hits it, and then starts selling his shoulder like it hurts. Because Mick Foley reveals he takes off one layer of his, uh, of his uh, what am I trying to say? It was a little vest that he's wearing. His flannel. His flannel vest. He takes it off. Reveals that he was wearing barbed wire wrapped around his stomach and Edge, you know, speared him right where the barbed wire was. So Mick Foley is revealing this. 
Edge is there blading his left arm to draw blood. Okay, that was my question. I was wondering if he had actually gigged himself, much like Tully did in oh, the yeah. clip match in the arm, or if he had actually hit nope. barbed wire on oh, that yeah. spear, because that was the first point where I kind of cringed a little bit. The whole story of this match is that they're both one-upping each other in terms of we've hidden things to use during this match under stairs, under the ring and whatnot, and we're going to continue to pull them out. That first one I went, oh man, if he actually did like end up jacking his his arm by spearing the barbed wire, that, that can't be uh, painful. But now that you told me he gave. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he bladed himself in the left arm, but it was a cool visual. Like you don't right. generally see that. You don't see, you know, blood coming out of a body part, but that played a part because Edge's finisher was the spear. And if his right. left shoulder is taken out, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Uh, Props to Edge for taking the thumbtack spot. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you had a lot of it. You had the barbed wire socko. You had the Edge going back first right into a bed of thumbtacks in this match and selling it like crazy. That might have been my favorite moment of the match, really, is Edge going through back into the bed of thumbtacks and his reaction to it. It's one of my favorite moments of the Randy Orton McFoley match from Backlash when Randy Orton goes through the thumbtacks. It's these young guys, the good-looking fresh meat in WWE, that aren't used to that style and they get their first taste going through thumbtacks and it's like their world changes right in front of your eyes. Yeah, well, now you mentioned the other one that in 2015, old man Hawkins' eyes cringed at was the uh, barbed wire round Socko, which, look, I, I understand Mick Foley is a very safe person, but I also understand adrenaline at times and watching Lita continue to sell the lip with blood being there made me go, oh man, tell me he didn't accidentally, you know... <laughs> It's something on the way in there being too, too, uh, too excited and whatnot. I just went, oh man, I wouldn't want to take that. <laughs> this was the period of time too, where you had Lita and Edge, uh, you know, live sex celebration era. Yeah. Lita and Edge. This is rated R superstar. Yeah. Yeah. Lita, Lita was coming out in the bikini top with the low riding, you know, pants and with just, the thong. Yeah. just looking like she was there to just be the sexiest woman of all time. And you know what? Some nights she may have won it. She may have, she may have just been that, but uh, I mean, it was a great presentation. Those two together, edge and Lita coming out together was Mm -hmm. an all timer in far, as far as to say presentation wise in WWE, uh, classic presentation from those two. The match is just a wild brawl. I remember, of course. Yeah. I remember watching the show live being there and thinking, okay, this Mick Foley edge match has all the moments. Uh, Foley finally getting his WrestleMania moment. You get the fire on the table. You get the, just the wild brawl. And after watching, you know, JBL and Chris Benoit, and then later on being followed up by the boogeyman and Booker T, which is to this day, one of the worst matches I've ever seen live. Uh, you have an appreciation for this match in the show. Cause it might've been the very best match on this WrestleMania. I would agree. And especially, you know, if you if you want to watch bad vignettes trying to get a guy over, watch the Booker T vignette after this match. Oh, so oh yeah, where all the crazy Yeah, you know, where the, he's walking down the hall the and mental have, asylum, all of them are out. You have Eugene right. there, Ted DiBiase, and Gold Dust as Oprah Dust. As Oprah Dust, and you have uh is it is it no, it's Snitsky, Snitsky licking, there licking with- May Young's feet. Yeah, it was uh, one of those, let's get a bunch of people for a backstage backstage segment that might be funny. And more often than not, they fail. Mm-hmm. This one totally did. Yes. And then the match came out, and the match even 
the match made that segment look great. Yeah, props to Mick Foley for going through that fire table. Because, you know, I remember old ECW where, I remember, was it ECW or was it XPW where they screwed up that spot by putting, like, kerosene on instead of, like, lighter fluid. Yeah, you're putting the wrong putting fire the wrong, starter. Yeah. But, I, I mean, yeah, props to him because this guy... I mean, he's come out in interviews and said that his previous WrestleMania match, the one with The Rock against Evolution, was subpar for him. He he didn't feel great going in. He didn't feel great coming out. He didn't like the match. So mm-hmm. here he was, knowing it was his last shot to have a really big moment at a WrestleMania. And you know what? He delivered. I mean, it's not going to be on the top tier of moments, but certainly one that people will remember. The going through the table with Edge is a memorable moment. And I don't know what else on that WrestleMania would be as memorable. I mean, I don't know if... Triple H tapping out, uh, you know, maybe the reaction to Mickey James during the Trish Stratus match. I mean, that's the one thing I remember most about that show being there live is just how the crowd completely backed Mickey James in yeah. a crazy manner going up against Trish Stratus. That and the, uh, and the Easter egg of CM Punk during Cena's entrance. Yeah. CM Punk that. being in there is a lot of, you know, in the bubble, I would say fans remember, um, mm-hmm. Uh, Rey Mysterio winning the championship, I don't think is, is that memorable. And that should be a really like a, a career defining moment for him. And it's not right. So yeah, I mean, good for, good for Mick Foley. I mean, he happened to share a show with Undertaker and Mark Henry. Like no one's going to remember the Undertaker, <laughs> Mark Henry match, you know, Shawn Michaels, Vince McMahon, their big spot. Shawn Michaels coming off of the ladder through the table might be memorable. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it was an interesting WrestleMania to be at live. It's not one of the best WrestleManias of all time, but I think I greatly, it added to my experience watching it live versus watching it on TV because the whole night, all three hours just came across so well live. Okay. So I, wow, I that, that was my next question. Yeah. I, I have how, did, how did this match come across live for you? For live. I have fond memories of that match. I have fond memories of this entire show. Um, I, I really feel like it would be subpar if I was watching from home. Yeah. But, but being there live in a small arena, because this was still WWE hadn't been going to big arenas all the time for WrestleMania like they do now. I mean, this was, you know, 18,000 people, 20,000 people in the Allstate arena. This was scaled back. This was a scaled back WrestleMania. And it's also one of the more forgettable WrestleManias, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't doubt that at all. If I was only watching it on TV, I think it would be forgettable too. But because I was there, it was, it was something. And it was a, it was an intimate atmosphere, if you can call 20,000 people in a big arena intimate. But compared to other WrestleManias, it certainly felt like that, like it was intimate. I mean, it felt like I was watching an ROH show in Dayton, Ohio, versus you know going to a WrestleMania in Phoenix, Arizona, being a part of that crowd. And oddly enough, this WrestleMania will be the least intimate WrestleMania. <laughs> of all the times. Yes, it certainly will. This WrestleMania coming up, where we still have no clue what could possibly be happening uh, but uh, it, it should be an interesting ride as we get there. Sunday night, we are going to be back. WWE TLC reaction show with Dylan Hales at Dylan Waco on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at Shake Them Ropes, and it is the Christmas season. If you have a moment or are doing Christmas shopping, if you're shopping on Amazon, help our show out. Help out Voices of Wrestling. Go to voicesofwrestling.com slash Amazon. It'll take you to the Amazon website. Any purchases you make, help the show, help the website, and there's no extra cost to you. So voicesofwrestling.com slash Amazon. And after that great plug for Amazon, Jeff, close (laughs) out the show with your witty, witty wit. (laughs) And fail. 
In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.